Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. 7.3. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to you're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us, too. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And today we to talk about one of my favorite things, which is the NASA solar system, and how one of their ambassadors is bringing science education to the public in a relatable and meaningful way. I think this is really cool. Joining us to tell us some more about this unique event is Ms. Nicole Smith with the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. So, hey, Nicole. Hey, Rebecca. <laughs> we just had on NASA last week, talk over the Stennis Space Center, talking about the great work they're doing down there to get the rocket, or I guess the engines ready, uh, to take us to Mars. But you guys are going to let us, I guess, peek into the sky a little bit sooner than they're going to get to the sky, I guess I should say it that way. Right, so uh, we've got a lot going on. So on May the 19th, we'll have our first ever Moonlight Music and Meteors event uh, on the museum grounds at the Den, which is by the cute and cool new playground. <laughs> and, uh, and so that is with the Mississippi Symphony Orchestra performing a series of astronomy music, and then I have NASA Solar System Ambassadors and a few physicists and astronomers with us, and they are bringing everything from telescopes to um, a laptop showcasing how you can download night sky apps. Uh, it's a little bit of everything we can get to you in a city environment. Like uh, You might imagine it's kind of hard to view the night sky in the midst of the city because of light pollution and that that is a real issue but so what we're trying to do is kind of get around that by using some equipment that helps us um, make sense of it even when the naked eye can't which sounds like a whole lot of fun and then you add the backdrop of some music and i'm sure you're going to feed and have some bubblies too i mean you, what cool event is this? How did this come all about? How did all this come to play uh, to say, hey, this would be a great spot and a great event for the museum to host? <laughs> well, you're going to laugh at me a little bit. But, I laugh uh, at you all the time, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we started last summer. We were working with um, uh, NASA uh, to build this beautiful, to host this beautiful exhibit that we had called Space Journey into the Future. And it was with us like all summer and through the end of the year last year. And uh, we had to go through a lot of trainings, and we met several contacts across the state of, you know, astronomy specialists, and it just kind of really built up our muscles, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, for science in the stars and how we communicate that information. And I had had, and 
quite literally, I had a dream. I had been, I slept one night and dreamt of listening to music under the stars. And when I woke up, I'm like, oh, we got to make an event about this. <laughs> well, I love it. And I think there's a huge, like, sort of hunger curiosity about learning more about star watching or learning about all, because it seems like here recently, or maybe I'm just more connected to it, there's been, like, bigger events in the sky for us to have the opportunity, at least where we're at, if we have, like, even a modest telescope to be able to see. And I think folks are really leaning into not missing out on those uh, chances, even even meteor showers that happen a little bit more frequently than some of the bigger things that, you know, that sort of come across every three thousand years or however the headline reads but will we get to see anything like will there be anything fun other than just maybe your average night sky for this event uh sadly no uh because of our original night our original night for this event was supposed to be april 21st during the lyrid meteor shower and then the weather had other plans, and it rained us out. So we went to our rainy date, which was going to be April 23rd. And then the weather had other plans for that date, and it was so cold that the instruments for the symphony couldn't play. So this is, you know, lucky try number three to do this. Uh, so we don't have any meteor showers, unfortunately. But what we do have, it is a new moon, which means it's going to be very dark. And that's that can be good, believe it or not. That can be a good thing because this is, the, this is when the moon is located between the Earth and the sun. And technically, this is the beginning of a lunar cycle. So it's very dark, and that can be helpful. Um, we're also going to be looking for stars. So right now, planets... Planets show up either very early or very late in the night sky, so kind of beyond the range of the event's time frame. But the stars are still out, and so there's a lot to see for that. Uh, So I think uh, it's a time of year that's called the Coma Cluster, uh, and it's uh, a collection of galaxies that move through uh, the universe kind of together. Um, So we're going to be looking for that and uh, seeing what we can find. I've got uh, Dr. Angel Tanner is going to be here. She's an astronomer from MSU, and she's going to have a laptop out there uh, as a special exhibitor table showing audio uh, translations of images from the James Webb Space Telescope. Pretty cool. It's still going to be neat. I think it's still something fun. Even if it takes you back to your childhood, you want to look up and all the wonder in the sky, right? We don't do that enough. We don't take time to just look up from our phones or look up from our busy lives and recognize there's this whole great big world or universe up there to explore and learn about. You mentioned time. So when is, uh, you mentioned the date, but what time is the event and are there still tickets available? Yes, so tickets are still available. Uh, we, we've got our in advance, so if you Google Moonlight Music and Meteors, <laughs> you're going to find a way to get to the tickets. The tickets are for sale until noon on Thursday, this Thursday. And then the event is actually Friday. Uh, we are doing some uh, at-event sales, so kind of like an at-door sale, so that's possible too. And we'll, uh, Pig and Pint's going to be there, which, you know, you might want to have delicious food while you're uh, enjoying the symphony. We've got stuff that's uh, kid-friendly happening, too. Uh, so we've got several exhibitors to kind of make it fun. So though the symphony's performance doesn't begin until 8, the, um, the doors open, the gates will open at 7, so that's when you can start to park and we've got um, security wildlife security here directing people where to park so there's going to be a lot of parking so we should be good on that front and uh, and bring your picnic um, 
chairs, you know, like lawn chairs, and bring your picnic blankets, and we'll have food for sale here. So it should be a really good night. It should be a really fun night. I think it's cool, especially if you have a, a tween or, or a, I guess, 10 to a, a teenager that would enjoy it. I feel like this would be a really fun event. They get to stay up a little past their bedtime and see something um, neat. If we can't make this, though, Nicole, you guys are right on the cusp of opening your new exhibit. Folks are already making their plans for um, summer travel. They need to put the Museum of Natural Science on their list of places to go. What you got? Oh, gosh. (laughs) It's so cool. So we have this new exhibit called Permian Monsters, and it's going to be open to the public uh, at the very end of May, on May the 27th. And this is life before the dinosaurs. So what you're going to see is like actual fossil specimens of real Permian creatures and also some animatronic ones. So that way you can get an idea of what these animals were like in life. Uh, imagine a time period where amphibians are your top predator. And it, it's just, it's very cool. And so that's going to be here through the rest of the year, but it's kicking off the summer in time for the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun for people to enjoy. Uh, if uh, museum members uh, get a chance to have, they go to a premiere party like the night before, so all members get like a preview of it the night before. And then the next day it's open to all the public, and you'll get to see new, uh, some neat things. We've got two specialist uh, paleontologists coming to visit on both that, that night and the next day. And they're going to be showing their own Permian monsters that were found in Texas, and they're going to be showcasing them for um, for that day. So that's going to be really, really cool. Always something fun, always something interesting and educational happening there at the museum. It's not too late to become a member if you're looking for things for your kids to do over, over the summer. So how do you do that if you want to, Nicole? Uh, Google Mississippi Museum of Natural Science Foundation. You got to use that word foundation, and that will uh, bring you to how you find a membership. And you can do it all online. You can do it for an individual. You can do it for a family. Uh, It's an uh, ASTC reciprocal membership, which is the Association of Science and Tech Centers. There are about 200 museums that honor that membership, so that when you're traveling, you can show those memberships and. and they'll let you in for free. It's a great way to plan your family vacation. Oh, really cool. Yeah, and if you've never done it, you're passing through. Make the stop. It's so much fun. you got little ones they can play on the uh, playground uh, that's right there adjacent at, Le- at the LaFleur Le- Bluffs Park. And even check out the Mississippi Children's Museum. You can make a whole day out of it if you are traveling through the central area. If not, you have no excuse. You need to go and visit if, you, if you're that within driving cool, distance. really. I mean, yeah. people forget how amazing this part of the state is. They're like, oh, Jackson. I'm like, Jackson, it's great. You need to come see it. You, do. you need to come see it, especially things that are happening there at the natural at the Museum of Natural Science. Well, I can't wait to hear about all the fun things y'all see this upcoming week and what else you got going on this summer. You're always welcome, Nicole. Well, thank you, and I expect to see you there, Rebecca. It's going to be a fun night. Moonlight Music and Meteors this Friday. All righty, you guys stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi.
things. Don't forget, you can catch us. We are on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Now, Mississippi is no stranger to minor league baseball, and neither is our guest, Tim Haggerty. He's a longtime minor league baseball announcer, and he's the author of Tales from the Dugout, 1001, a humorous, inspirational, and wild antidotes from the minor league baseball, from minor league baseball, which this should be a good time. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Rebecca. I have been looking forward to this and not knowing much about baseball, so I'm putting that out there, right? And not much about our minor league teams over the years. But I do love a good tale, and I love things that are funny and that folks you know, may not recognize goes on in the dugout and beyond. So what inspired you to even write this book? Because I know a lot of uh, research went into getting the 1,001 antidotes. Yeah, in addition to broadcasting games, I've always loved baseball research. And back in 2012, when researching something else, I came across this newspaper story from the 1880s. And it was about a Texas League game in Austin that got delayed when a wild bull ran on the field. And I thought, I do this for a living, and I've never heard of this story. The odds are most fans haven't either. So it taught me just how many stories there are out there. So over the next decade, I compiled stories like that from the past and from the present. And one of the things I noticed is there's a bunch in Mississippi. Uh, There's a rich baseball history in Mississippi and there's some crazy ones that have taken place there. Well, we're a little crazy down here, if you hadn't ever heard, Tim. So I can only imagine that spilled off into the baseball diamond or onto the field or whatever they call it. So let's start there. What are some of the stories that you sort of came across that uh, us here in Mississippi would love to know? Well, first off, part of my career I spent in Mobile, and I broadcasted many games in Pearl, Mississippi, with the Mississippi Braves, one of my favorite stadiums still. I tell people that even off the air, uh, just a, a great area and friendly people, as you know. But as far as some crazy Mississippi stories, uh, in 1940, Clarksdale City Council election fell on the same day as opening day for the Class C team, the Clarksdale Red Sox. So what to do? We have election day and we have opening day. Well, the city council did what they should have done. They put together a referendum and they said, we're postponing election day. Baseball takes priority. Uh, And they they postponed election day for opening day. I love that story. That's funny, Tim. You know, there's still parts of Mississippi you can't buy alcohol on election day, but they're going to let baseball continue, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that's great. Uh, That's fun. Okay, let's go to Biloxi. I know there's some fun stories coming out of Biloxi as well. Yeah, the beautiful stadium they have here for the Shuckers. In 2016, Biloxi had an outfielder, Brett Phillips, who's gone on to a long major league career, really entertaining, positive guy. But on this night, when they were playing the Tennessee Smokies, he sees something on the warning track on the field behind him, and it was a possum that somehow made its way on the field. So Phillips sort of was inching up toward it, and without touching it, trying to nudge it to get it to go away, and this possum eventually slithered back under the fence, And the game continued. But understandably, this is a video that got a lot of attention. It was on national news shows. And I love what the Shuckers did. They had some fun with it. The next year, they did a Brett Phillips bobblehead giveaway. And in the bobblehead doll down by his feet, you see a little possum. Oh, I love that. That Very Mississippi, underscored, absolutely. And a lot of people would relate to that. And the stories keep coming. I know I don't want to give away all your stories because we want folks to make sure that they get the book, Tales from the Dugout, but you've got a few from, from Jackson as well. Yeah, Jackson, for example, in 1997, they had this big, powerful hitter, Daryl Ward, who also went on to play a long time in the majors. And he was so strong that he hit a line drive 
and it went 325 feet away and actually broke a wooden fence. You know, the old minor league parks, they had those thick wooden walls at Smith Willis Stadium in Jackson. Shout out to the Jackson Generals. Uh, loved their name and logo, by the way. And this ball went through the wooden fence. And that was another story that got a lot of national attention. There was a photo in some national magazines that showed Ward standing next to this hole in the wall. That's because our players are cornbread fed, Tim. That's because we are cornbread fed and we drink our <laughs> sweet tea and our and our whole milk and and we're strong like that. Uh, but we also eat a lot of catfish, and I know that that played into one of your stories too. And tells from the dugout. This one's this one may be my favorite. It's so funny. I, I thought you would say that, and I thought this one was my favorite uh, from Mississippi. So I'm glad you brought this up. There have been some bizarre trades in minor league history, and in 1998, dependent league teams. Independent teams have been able to do crazier things over the years. They're not affiliated with major league teams, so they can kind of do their own renegade trades like this. And there was a pitcher for the Pacific Suns in California, Ken Crahenbull, and he gets traded to the Greenville Bluesmen. And in exchange, Greenville sends Pacific California 10 pounds of Mississippi catfish. This guy got traded for catfish. And... uh well, it's expensive What's if you haven't that, fished your own lately. So I can understand why somebody may uh, see that as, as sort of gold uh, for their, you know, summer cookout or whatever it may be. But um, that's funny. I mean, you know, you have to be one person in the whole universe that's been traded for catfish. Or I don't know. There may be more stories like that. But you have a thousand and one, Tim. Did you start out writing this book thinking a thousand and one or just over the 10 years? Did you just start collecting all of these little stories throughout uh, um, the baseball and say, hey, this is it. This is a thousand and one. I collected about eleven hundred and then I reached a point where it was, OK, what am I going to do with this? And I walked by my wife's cookbook and it said 1001 recipes. And I thought I like that number. A lot of books have 1001 in its title. So from there, I merged some stories. I eliminated some that I wasn't able to really confirm that it was true or not. Um, so, for example, there was a, an umpire in 1907 that got arrested for swearing on the field. And then in the 1940s, there was a player who got arrested for swearing on the field. And keep in mind, I'm not saying ejected. They actually were arrested for using bad language. So I took those two stories and I made them one. That's how I sort of narrowed it down to 1,001. Could you imagine that now? We would have no players, no officials, no coaches, <laughs> what little I know about professional sports sort of at all. But this is also your day job. I mean, you started out your love of baseball, not your love of baseball, but you are an announcer. What started your love of baseball that led you down this professional path? I think like a lot of people, I was hooked as a kid. Uh, I grew up in Massachusetts and uh, I can still remember the first day that my parents took me to Fenway Park in Boston. It was the last day of school in first grade, 1989, and just walking into that ballpark and just being stunned by how bright the grass was and how big the stadium looked. And now I'm 41 and I still get that feeling when I go into a new stadium for the first time, whether it's a major league park or a minor league park. Um, it really brings something out in me that I, I don't think is a choice. I think it's something that I'm just so naturally drawn to. So love the game. And I, like I said, I have so many memories in Mississippi. There are great fans there. I mean, they're just so supportive. I remember Jeff Frank, who Braves, he played for the Mississippi Braves. And he told me that what was great there is that even when you're playing badly, what he remembers about Mississippi is they were still so positive, still so supportive. And you don't always get that. 
No, you don't get that. But we do tend to stand by our people for the most part. And if we are going to hate on you, we only want to hate on you. We don't want anyone else hating on you. And then we're going to we're going to love you and sort of treat you and treat you like family. What is your oldest story in your book? What's the oldest sort of tale you got um, to share? 1877. This was one of the first ever baseball promotions. Minor league teams these days do crazy, wacky things to try and get people to buy tickets. It's not new. They've been doing it since the 1870s. In 1877 in Wheeling, West Virginia, the team announced a contest where the fans would try to catch a greased pig. And if you did, you got to keep the pig. I wasn't able to confirm if anybody actually captured this greased pig. It seems like something that would be hard to do. I don't know if you've ever done that, Rebecca, but uh, a really slippery pig. But they were doing that in the 1870s at ballparks. I think they should bring that back. I think we should have a talk with the folks over at Trustmark Park and just for good fun, at least one time, <laughs> give it a give it a good go and see if we can't get someone who can who can snag it. I think that would be fun to watch. And what's your latest story? I know this just just published in March of 2023. But what would be your latest story uh, in your book? Yeah, we have multiple from the 2022 season, including former Major League star Robinson Cano, who was with the team that I broadcast for, El Paso, who's trying to make his way back to the majors late last season. And in his first game, back down in the minors, he's having to really swallow that, that he's no longer a Major League star. Coincidentally, that night, it was SpongeBob SquarePants jersey night. So here's this guy who's made hundreds of millions of dollars wearing a bright yellow SpongeBob jersey. And... uh that juxtaposition got a lot of attention. I imagine it did. Okay, I can see where every baseball fan listening is going to want a copy. I, I get the idea. It reads kind of easy. You can pick it up, put it down, use it at dinner parties for conversation starters or whatever it may be. So where can we grab Tales from the Dugout from, Tim? It is available on Amazon. It's also available in some Mississippi bookstores. I saw online that Hattiesburg Books a Million has it there. So uh, some stores have it, some don't. Amazon's the quickest way. All righty. We appreciate your time, Tim. If you're ever in Mississippi, please stop by the studio. We'd love to have you in and share a few more stories. Oh, I'll do that. Thanks, Rebecca. Great to meet you. All righty. You guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Things we are on computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices. You can even find us on YouTube. You can also watch a Super Talk TV live on Seaspire TV. If you've got that, we are on channel 70. 
right next to the Weather Channel, which this music is appropriate for because it's hot. And I saw many of you and actually enjoyed the pool for your Mother's Day uh, weekend, which is unusual at this time of year here in Mississippi. Sometimes it's still pretty chilly, and so you got the opportunity to get out and enjoy um, some water. So you can also catch good things, too, in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. And tomorrow you can catch Gerard with the Middays. He is going to be at Mississippi Blood Services off of Lincoln Drive in Flowood coming up. Tuesday. That's tomorrow. So you can donate blood. You can be a hero in disguise for Mississippi patients. So donate this month to receive a, to receive a hero in disguise T-shirt while supplies last. Not that you need a T-shirt to go donate because that's good too. But T-shirt always helps. Plus, you get like juice and cookies and that fun stuff. Oh, juice and cookies. It's like maybe snack. even some pizza. I don't know. Whatever. Just depends on if it shows up. So you're either two types of people. You show up because you get fed. Like, I don't care about a t-shirt. Or you show up and you're like, I want a t-shirt. Either way, we appreciate you and show up tomorrow. Jar will be there from uh, 10 to 1. Lots of congratulations for all of our Mississippi music people. Uh, Mississippi's Colin um, made it one step closer, becoming the next American Stowe. Idol. Stowe. thank you. Um, he's advancing in the competition's top three, and I think this is it. Like, he made it to the finale. I think the next time you see him on stage, you will be figuring out who, or maybe the next the next time he sings, and then it will figure out who is the American Idol. There's no more cuts i think well, no there's a or is there not there's an episode tonight where they're going to get some more background on the top three. Oh, fun so you may see some footage from the magnolia state on tonight and then if i'm not mistaken the crew from american idol are coming to mississippi tomorrow afternoon maybe in amory to film some more for the finale that will be airing on Sunday. Oh, I love it. So everybody head to Amory. Just act like you're local. You might end up on national TV. Show I, up. Just don't show out too much. No, not at all. Um, so Zachariah Smith, who's been here on Good Things before, obviously his time came to an end. But I just saw on his social media, he's already gearing up to release his new single, which will be coming out. I'm not sure when, but soon, sooner rather than later. So he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He's already on to the next uh, thing. And then tonight on NBC, so if you're flipping back and forth between your channels to catch your Mississippians, you got uh, former Miss Mississippi Holly Brand. She is back on stage. Uh, it returns tonight. This is a live um, singing. So everything else has sort of been taped or pre-recorded or whatever it may be. So she has made it to the opportunity to sing live on national television. I wonder if that changes your nerves any, right? Like, I mean, you know it's going to air, but there is, I guess, a level of like mom's watching right now. Like, there's no, there's no going back once the green red light or whatever comes on. I imagine the energy of having the live audience there for both recording and the live performances keeps it pretty even keel because you're, you're really pulling from that energy that the audience is engaging with you, and you probably. If you if you're in their shoes, you probably can't spend too much time thinking about the cameras are on you right. because you're trying to put on the show for the crowd. For the crowd, but that's good. that that's good advice, Rhino. If you're ever so if you ever find yourself on national television in a singing competition, remember what Rhino said: just play for the crowd in front of you uh, for sure. They're I'm, the ones that are gonna you can hear their cheering or booing. If they're booing at home oh, on the couch, sucks. you can't hear them. Oh man, that would be hard. That would be. I just don't know if I would have. The gray space of like bowing out. I would be like, Whoa! 
Yeah. I just would just breed it all over me. Either that or it would be like an angry sort of like, I did my best. You couldn't at least clap. Like it would be, I don't know. I, I say that. I, you're never going to see me there. So we will never, we will definitely never. Uh, Unless it is a squirrel based singing competition. Which I would win hands down for sure. If you, if you miss that. You can go back and find a fun clip of it on Super Talk's YouTube page. Just look up good things. You know what? Google good things in Squirrel, and it will come up. I promise you. It will be the first <laughs> thing that comes up. <laughs> Another congratulations to you had a Mississippi student, Edward Wilson, Jr. He's advancing uh, to the finals of the 2023 Poetry Out Loud National Competition. He is a student there at Jackson Prep, and I've reached out to try to uh, get him. I'd love to know more about what's that look like. I mean, we, I don't know if we've had someone competing in poetry um, as well, but he's showing out too on the national stage. And one more congratulations. It's a Monday. Why not hand out applause? If you've been over to the Good Things Facebook group, you may see this. I think I posted it last Friday, but it was Lafayette County School District posted that their custodian, uh, Mr. Kill, he graduated from the University of Mississippi last week with his bachelor's degree in general studies with an emphasis in business marketing. And the kids lined up and gave him a huge congratulations as he took the walk. A walk of honor. A walk of honor at the upper elementary, hoping to encourage his um, comrades to keep reaching high for their hopes and sort of dreams and further education. Education, which I thought was really cool. And, you know, having a, um, a child who is leaving out of elementary school, which is going to get me teary eyed, all you, all the ones going through graduations right now, I get it. Like it goes by fast. But for the most part, it, it, it feels like the custodians are deeply integrated in their, maybe not every day, but they know them. Like they know them. They're so kind. And usually they know them by name or they see them at the, uh, at the door or whatever. And so, what you think would be something someone they may not they overlook or just not get to know no they're like an integral part of their they high five them it's just it's really sweet to sort of see so if you want to boost in your mood go check out Mr. Hill's uh, graduation walk of celebration um, there and if you need a reason to celebrate then you can have a chocolate chip cookie or if you're just feeling down you can have a chocolate chip cookie or you can have chocolate chips wherever you want them today. It is National Chocolate Chip Day because without the chocolate chip, you would not have said chocolate chip cookie. Could you imagine a world without chocolate chip cookies? I mean, I could, yeah. but I don't want to. Well, you'd have to go back before 1937 to imagine. And they're not even 100 years old. Mm-mm, not you know, quite. There are some things that you think have just been here since... Jesus came, and you're like, really? You mean there are people technically could still be alive that never had a chocolate chip cookie prior to 1937 with old, when old Ruth of Massachusetts said she was going to be curious about what a little bit of chocolate added to her cookies would do? It's like Jesus did come down and just like, try this. Just gave her a little, little inkling that this may turn out well. And as you can say, the rest is absolutely history. The cookies were a huge success. Only two years later in 39, she signed an agreement with Nestle to add her recipe to the chocolates bar uh, packaging. Nestle. Nestle. And exchange for the recipe, uh, she received a lifetime supply of chocolate. She got the wrong end of the deal. Oh, man. They took her to the bank. Somebody needs to go back and pay that woman in something more than... 
chocolate chip cookie. I mean, chocolate chips, which I know if you're a baker and some like some of that was expensive. And so you probably thought, hey, this is a form of being paid. But man, now knowing how I guess popular they are, you would feel like I should have taken the cash. I don't know if cash was even an option, but anyway. Well, you mentioned that we we have these things that we think of have been around since Jesus, but it reminded me, and I'm double-checking, but I want to say cookies themselves, sweet little baked goodness, haven't even been around that long. I want to say it was the 5th century? Maybe I'm wrong. There it is. 7th century in Persia is when they believe cookies were first invented. You feel like cookies was a failed cake. Right? Like you feel like some poor cook, I don't know, whoever, chef, whatever you want to call them, was like going for a great celebration, maybe miniature version. Maybe they were going for. Better they just mismeasured. Or mismeasured. Because it's all the same stuff. It's just in different quantities. Right. Mismeasured or was going for like mini cakes and then it just all came out flat. And then we're like. Well, what is this? I could totally see that happening. It's like, oh, I made this dough. It's nice and round. I'm going to have little round loaves. And then they put it in the oven and, and they get it out and it's just cookies. <laughs> have you ever cut a cookie for it to look like one thing and then you put it in the oven and it comes out and it's not that? Like Christmas cookies are notorious for that. If you're not, if you're new to the game of like doing them from scratch or if you don't get the right kind of dough that's for it because there's a, there's a, you know, a secret to the to the madness of getting it to stay together. Um, the first time you do it, your Christmas trees come out like bleh. your ornaments just look like big cookies. Your everything's just sort of bleh. they're still delicious. Santa still eats them, and they're they make for great memories. But they don't they're always just come out a the little same. overinflated. What else would you put chocolate chips in? Put one a cookie because it's not National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day; it's National Chocolate Chip Day. So, tell us six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Besides cookies, where do you like a little chocolate chip chip? And stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. You can also stream us from your Supertalk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Before we dive into where else you would put your chocolate chips besides a cookie, I got a headline for all those who have cows or on a farm or was raised around cows. Tell me you were never raised around cows without telling me. Heard of cows assist police in locating suspect who hoofed it to a remote area. So this was in North Carolina, and they were chasing down a guy. He got out of his car, long story short, and he ran into a um, a field of cows or like a whatever, and he went to hide. And Dum Dum didn't realize that the cows would be like, huh, 
it's time to eat because he went to hide where the little trough or whatever hay was. So as the police started to pull up, all the cows started coming and swarming and just getting around the suspect like, hey, like a, like a swarm, you know, like when you see in the movies, the swarm of bees who make the make the arrow and like point to something in a cartoon, right? Like that's how I envision the herd of cows just sort of like walking to and the cops just being like, Thank well, I imagine they so associate much. somebody walking out in the field with, hey, here's supper. So they're like, yes, OK, this guy's bringing it. It's not the normal guy this time. Absolutely. And so God bless him. And then he was obviously arrested and taken in and. He will never be that stupid to, if he's going to, well, one, run from the police is probably not the best idea you've ever had. Number two, though, he's not going to think that a herd of cows is going to be on his side because He's just lucky the bull not. wasn't there. That would have been not funny. I'm not going to say that would have been interesting. You, you can say it would be funny. It would have been funny. It would have. I think it's funny that. Because he'd have been running back to the police. Save me. Help me. Well, if you've if you've ever, you know. I guess dealt with cows, many of you, I know you have, and you can just drive up and sit. They'll all, they're, they're curious. They'll just come swarm around you and like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? You got something to eat and stare at you. And so <laughs> imagine being him, though, that's trying to get away from something. And he's like, no, you're going, you're going to tell. And then the cops are just like, hey, bud, thanks, cows. They hope they get some good hay, or maybe some chocolate chips. I'm sure you should. You Pretty sure you're not supposed to feed those cows for uh, for helping them out. But I'm um, glad to be of assistance. Anyway, I just got a big chuckle out of that. It's like, wah, wah, wah. So you weren't raised on a farm or nowhere, nowhere near one. Back to chocolate chips, though. Some great answers on the text line. You would put chocolate chips and chocolate chip banana bread. Thank you. Herschel says pancakes or waffles. Yes, please. If you've never had the Waffle House chocolate chip waffle, you're missing out if you're into chocolatey uh, goodness. Debbie from Ocean Springs ice cream. I guess I was oh, thinking yeah. add them to ice cream. Absolutely. Although there is a non-dairy chocolate chip ice cream treat you can make with just two ingredients what is that you need bananas and chocolate chips take the bananas slice them up about even thickness like a half an inch put Mm -hmm. them on a sheet pan or whatever tray you can fit in your freezer and let them freeze overnight and then take them out and toss a couple in a blender with some chocolate chips blend that up so it's kind of like a ice cream consistency you can either Eat it like that, like soft serve, top it with chocolate chips, or you can refreeze it into little whatevers, put chocolate chips on there. Tastes like chocolate-covered bananas. Oh, that sounds sounds delicious. Sounds like a snack your kids would probably enjoy as well. John and Madison says pound cake. I don't know if I've ever had chocolate chip pound cake. I'm not against it. I'm not opposed to it. But um, it sounds absolutely delicious. Put them in your chili? Don't knock it till you try it. I'm not not gonna knock it. I may not put it in. I may put it in a in a cup of chili. Like I may. We have to start there. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna put it in a whole batch of chili. I've heard of people putting cocoa powder in chili, so I I can kind of see the same thing. Although chocolate chips and cocoa powder are a little different. Little, but it may have the same. Especially if you get the unsweetened whatever kind. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so today is your national chocolate chip. Do you ever just eat them? Oh yeah. Do you yeah. ever just like take them out of the bag? Do you like the I white? I got in trouble for it as a kid because mom had these, these blue 
glass containers with the little squeegee suction lid that was also glass. So she kept them up on a shelf that was out of reach when we were wee little lads. Mm -hmm. But the older we got and the more mischievous we got, we were able to reach up and grab her container of chocolate chips that she would use for baking because she would bake a lot. Well, we got in trouble because one weekend she was going to make chocolate chip cookies and she went to the cupboard and she didn't have any more chocolate chips left because we'd eaten them all. Did y'all all three share in the punishment or did you get singled out for it? Uh, well, my older brother was, I believe, in college at that point in time. So it was ah. just my younger brother and myself. And Did you blame it on each other? I think I was the one that wound up getting in trouble the most. Because you were honest like that. That's the way like, it went. Oh, uh, yeah, Mom. It was me. I did it. It's the way it works for the middle kid. Oh, bless it. The baby gets away with everything. Did you at least get some chocolate chip cookies in the long run? Oh, yeah. She sent Dad to the store to get some more. All righty. Well, there you go. At least you got a cookie out of it. All right, stick with us. you got more coming up. you got the boys with Sports Talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.